Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we've been in a series uh, called Homecoming. And if you're brand new to our church, every week at Oceans we sing, not because we're great singers, but because we have a great God. We always share a story, uh, personal, Bible calls them testimonies of a family, an individual, a person that's been uh, impacted by God, even through this community. We share some housekeeping items because we are a community of faith. And then every week we open up the Bible. We believe as someone gets up and boldly preaches these, these words, that the spirit that, that actually inspired this work will actually fill the room that actually wrote the pages of the Bible. And so I'm going to open up today. We're going to jump right in. We're going to have a good time. If you're ready for it, say amen. We're not a quiet church. I, I know there's a lot of quiet churches. I'm not against quiet churches. I just think that there's something about volume that causes the room to rise. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I know some people get offended by loud churches, but they never get offended by loud sporting events. They never get offended by loudness in movie theaters or the weirdo that starts to clap at the end of the movie. Come on. So we're okay with clapping in theaters and yelling at sporting events, but not getting excited about God. So I would say before you leave your negative review on Yelp, come on, just ask yourself this question. Does, does, does the Bible talk about vocalizing your faith? And it does. There's something about saying amen. It's a church four-letter word. Come on, say it with me. Amen. Amen is a way of you agreeing out loud with your faith, saying, I believe that. So be that. Jesus Christ can do anything. That is like, that's the faith stuff. You start go, whoa, I don't know why. I said amen. Now I feel like it's, this could happen today. Maybe I'm the one that's going to get healed in this service. Maybe my family's the one that's going to be impacted today. It's crazy how you start. One of my mentors said, Mark, if you await to your feelings to, to act, you'll never act. But if you can actually prime your feelings by activating your faith, feelings follow faith faster than faith follows feelings. If I get a Pentecostal amen, you give me a Baptist head nod. Come on. Presbyterian eyebrow raise. Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on, I'll, t- I'll take a Catholic sigh. Come on, give me something. Whatever I can get today. But uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to open up uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, if you missed the last two weeks, we have a podcast. You can jump on there. We talked about a homecoming series. The thesis, if you've been gone, has basically been talking about, we believe here at Ocean's Church, that God is a God that rescues households. His desire is to know all of his kids. Imagine you going camping with 10 kids that belong to you. That's a mega family in Orange County. It's a small family in Idaho. You go camping with 10 kids. You lose all 10. You yell, come back. And five come back. You don't drive home. You don't tell your wife, babe, we lost all of them. But good news is we got 50% back. Good parents are not content until all of their kids. And God is a good God. We talked about how he's a God that wants to prepare his house. Luke 15. We talked about a God that wants us to actually have a full house. Talked about how the jailer had his whole household get saved because he brought the messengers and the message into his house. Today, I want to talk to you about a God that transforms houses. Now, make no mistake about it. Today, I believe there is something far more contagious than a cold, than a flu, than a, than a virus. And it's called, I believe, genuine Christianity. I believe that when you're infected with the Spirit of God, 
He'll transform you in such a way that everyone around you will take notice of it. You used to talk like that, act like that, live like that, believe like that, prioritize your life like that. What happened to you? I believe the testament of Christianity from 120 to reaching over three point something billion people out of eight billion people, how would something multiply like that? There is no logical explanation of the expansion of Christianity because there is no greater advertisement for Jesus Christ being real than a transformed life. Nothing will wound a skeptical world more than saying the right things but living the wrong way. But nothing reinforces what we believe more than when our lifestyle lines up with what we declare. I believe in a God that changes people. Why? Because I've been changed. You'd have met me in my youth. You'd have been like, Mark, you never, you're never going to be uh, getting up in front of people, studying for an exam every single Sunday. You didn't even study for one exam in school. I read one book through 12 years of col- or high school. <laughs> Felt like 12 years of college, though. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> I had some more jokes. If you guys knew what I held back on, you'd realize I'm funnier than, you, than I actually am. But I, uh, I did graduate, and I had this encounter with God. He changed my heart, changed my appetite, changed, changed everything about me, transformed me. And I want to read today a story. It's about an unnamed servant girl who was actually the daughter of Liam Neeson from Taken. <laughs> Kidding. Bad joke. She was actually a Syrian uh, a captive, and she was, she was taken out of Israel. She was a, a, a young little girl. We don't know her age, but the word little actually doesn't represent her size. It represented, in the, in the world of antiquity, her significance. And I love this story because it talks about an insignificant, seemingly looked-over individual that actually has a faith that would shake a commander, two kings, and two countries. And I believe today as we read this that I believe what happened in the, in, the, in the family of Naaman will happen in your family today if we'll elevate our faith. If you believe it, come on, one more time, say amen. So I want to read this today. I want to talk today about the idea that God is a God that transforms homes. He transforms them. First, uh, Second Kings 15. We know this story is not fictional like Fairy Pot- or Harry Potter or um, Twinkle or Twilight, the Starvation Olympics, or the Hunger Games. Are you with me today? This is a factual story because Luke 4 says that Jesus validated the miracle of Naaman by talking about, in the days of Elisha, only Naaman the Syrian was healed of his leprosy. So we know this is a factual story, not a fairy tale, not a story to get your kids to sleep at night, a factual story. Are you with me? So let's read 15 verses. I'm going to pray, tell a couple stories. I have five points about if we're going to see Orange County transformed one household at a time. How do you change Orange County one household at a time? How do you see revival in California one household at a time? How do you see God change America one? America will never be stronger than its families. One household at a time. Y'all ready? It starts with one person. So let's watch this today. It says in uh, 2 Kings 5, verse 1, Now Naaman, the commander of the army, he was a general. Come on, say commander. He's commander of the army of the king of Syria. Was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, the king. Because by Naaman, the Lord, say with me, the Lord. This guy wasn't Jewish. This is interesting. The Lord had given this guy victory in Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but, but a leper. 
Kind of sounds like Orange County. Very mighty, very successful, very good looking, very put together. But there was some jacked up areas beneath the surface. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl of the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. So this young, little, the word young there is the word little, insignificant girl from the land of Israel. Waited, she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master Naaman were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. Let's say it another way. If only my boss would come to my church, God would heal them the way he's healed others. So that's what she says. So Naaman hears this, and he's so inspired by an unnamed servant girl that he actually said to the king of Syria, hey, there's a girl that works for me who said this about the land of Israel. So the king of Syria says, all right, I got an idea. I'm going to go. I'm going to send you a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed. He took with him 10 talents of silver. To give you a little bit of a context, two talents of silver was enough to buy the capital city a few chapters earlier. So this is a ton of money. Modern-day currency exchange was over $750 million. So Naaman's rolling deep. Can I get an amen? So he's got 600,000 shekels of gold. He's got 10, 10, 10 changes of skinny jeans. Those aren't skinny jeans. It's after Thanksgiving. Uh, then they brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, he's like, What in the world? Tears his shirt like Hulk Hogan. He says, Am I God that I can heal, that I can make alive? This man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, consider this. This guy is trying to pick a fight with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, the prophet, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let this guy come to me and he shall know there was a prophet in Israel. There's a church that has the power of God. Then Amen, that's kind of, come on, we still with me today? Naaman went with his horses, his chariot. Come on, a modern day. Uh, he had a couple of Bugatti Veyrons. He had a ton of cryptocurrency making Elon Musk jealous. Come on. This guy is rolling deep. He rolls up to Elisha's house. And Elisha did not answer the door. Instead, he sends a messenger. Messenger answers the door and says, go wash at the Jordan River, the dirty Jordan River, seven times. And if you do that, your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. Naaman became furious, though. He went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, when I get there, this prophet's going to come outside. He's going to stand a certain way. He's going to call in the name of the Lord his God. He's going to wave his hand like a sorcerer or something. He's going he's to do this, and he's going to heal me of my leprosy. Here's what happens to many people when they miss out on God is they project how God will heal them. I know how God's going to do it. It's got to be through a 65-year-old preacher of this denomination on this day of the year, at that conference, at this age, in this season, when I do this and bring that. And so he has a premeditated method of how God heals. But notice this, God doesn't have methods that we're married to. Come on, we're not Methodists in here. Can I get an amen? Keep going. We love Methodists. It goes on. It says this. He waved his hand over the leprosy. Are not, this is what he says, are not the Abana and the Farper, the rivers of Damascus, much better than this nasty river in Israel? Could I not wash and then and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. His servants came near and spoke to him, saying, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, if he said to do push ups, to go to F45, tie bow class, would you not have done it? 
said, if he said something, do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then? That's all he said. Go wash and be clean. So he talked him into it. Naaman went down. He dipped how many times? Come on, Oceans, help me out today. How many times? He dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the skin of a little child, and he was clean. He returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him, and he said, indeed, now I know. Now I know. Now I know that there is no God in all of the earth except in Israel. And he offered a gift. He's like, keep your money. God doesn't need your money to do miracles. I love this story. I want to pray real fast. I believe God's going to transform some families and oceans today. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We honor you. Spirit of God, would you come in this place? And God, if you can restore a man with physical leprosy, God, I believe today that you can heal anything in this tent. I pray that whether we're watching online or we're in the room, I thank you for the miracles you've been doing every week. We prayed for barrenness two weeks ago. There was a couple that came two days after that. They said on Tuesday we found out we were pregnant after years of trying. We thank you that you're a miracle-working God. You can do anything at any time with anybody. Would you have your way at Oceans today? Would you bless this day, Lord, with your sweet presence? In Jesus' name, and we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 I, uh, I think humans are funny because we, uh, we always want to change whatever we have to something different. Uh, it's evidence in the holiday traditions that we enter into. It's evidence in what we do in life. You, when, you, when you're home, you want to get out. When you get out, you're always in a hurry to get home. You want to get out, now you want to get back. Let's get out. You get out finally, and it's like, let's get back. And so you get back, and you get home, and you're like, man, you get, it's summer, and you're like, man, I want it to cool down. And then it cools down, and you're like, I want it to warm up a little bit. <laughs> wish it would rain. I wish it would stop raining. Man, I wish my kids would go to school. I wish my kids would go to college. I wish my kids would get married. I wish my kids still lived at home. <laughs> we seem to always want what we don't currently have. My wife, uh, we... We, we, we bought a house, and we, uh, it's our first Christmas in our new house, and my wife has this tradition of throwing money away, calling buying real trees, and uh, <laughs> she likes the smell, whatever, I'm like, all right, let's go, uh, let's go refinance our house, babe. Um, so we went to tree lot this week, the first day you can go, because we want to make sure the tree is completely dead by Christmas, and uh, we set it up, and... Uh, <laughs> I love it. We're actually in Idaho during Christmas. All right, let's work out. Uh, but uh, we, we went, we got a fake tree, a real tree, actually, and uh, we, we decorated. But it's funny how, you know, you transform Americans, people. We like to, we like to transform things. When it's, when it's October, we put pumpkins out our first year. Uh, we, we carved pumpkins like we always did in Idaho. Our daughters put them outside, and about 22 minutes later, in 110-degree weather, our pumpkins turned to black mold. We, uh, it's funny, holidays in California, you know, you, you celebrate, we're festive, and so we, I don't know why, but in America, the tradition is to celebrate Jesus' birth, we cut down a tree. Yeah. And then we're going to bring the outside on the inside. Yeah. For some reason, our generation is obsessive and excessive. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Like, when I was growing up, if you were wealthy, you go to Disneyland like twice a year. Yeah. If you're normal, once a year. Yeah. Millennials grow up, they're like, we're going every day. We'll just go every day. We'll just watch the fireworks every night. We'll eat dinner there. 
we'll just get our kids out of school. We'll go there for lunch. We're excessive in this generation. What our parents did in moderation, we do in excess. Case in point, a home when I grew up, you had one TV. Now we got TVs in like every room of the house. When I was growing up, you had one Christmas tree. Not anymore. Not anymore. Now we got multiple trees. I've seen some of your videos on Instagram. This is my blue tree. This is my dwarf little mini tree over here. This is my giant tree. This is the snow tree. This is the tree that's very plain. This is my festive. It's my unicorn tree. We're so excessive. Gaffigan said that it sounds like a drunk man started these holidays. I'm going to cut down a pine tree. Put it in my living room. Your wife sees in the morning like, what are you doing, Mark? I'm going to get some lights on this thing. And then I'm going to hang some of my socks over the fireplace. And we're going to celebrate Jesus. But it does. It transforms the environment of your house. You put the outside inside. You bring lights from the inside outside. Spike your power bill. But I was just thinking about this. You, uh, you live in this environment, this context, that we're all about transforming. We like to transform. Our, our house was transformed. We moved in with no furniture. Uh, all of our furniture was out of the docks of Long Beach. I actually almost borrowed Chris Norman's boat, his fishing boat, to go pick up my couches. But um, we dodged that bullet. We ordered it in July. They showed up two weeks ago. But it's amazing how the furniture and the Christmas tree and the lights and the stockings have transformed our house. I was praying this week, and this is what God spoke to me. He speaks to me in kind of funny ways. But he just said, Mark, tell my people that I want to transform their lives. I want to transform their homes. As furniture, as lights, as decor, as aesthetics have a way of warming an environment, changing the, the, the atmosphere. I believe that is exactly what the Spirit of God does when he comes into a home. When he comes into a heart, he begins to change the environment. He begins to put lights on where there was darkness. He begins to change the scent, the smell. My wife likes real trees because they produce a, a smell. I'm like, let's buy a fake tree and get a candle. Come on. That's another message. I was thinking through this, though, that, that God wants to transform homes. I believe society will never be stronger than its households. Churches will never be stronger than the families that go to the church. And God wanted me to tell you today that his passion, his heart, his love, his affection, his desire for today is that he would transform the environment of your home like he transformed a non-Jewish, at the time, Syrian general with leprosy. Listen to me. God validates in Jesus that this Syrian was a non-Jew. He was a Gentile in a dispensation that Gentiles were not adored or loved by God according to the Jewish mind. And God pours out love, mercy, and grace on a non-Jewish Syrian commander who has, according to its day and age, a curse by God condition called leprosy. Leprosy is what people got that were hated by God. Leprosy are the left that they were the outcast of society. They had to shout unclean wherever they went. It was a social condition. It was a condition that affected who they were close to, where they went, who they could talk to, who they could associate with. The only saving grace of Naaman the leper was that Naaman was a military general. 
He was a military man of valor. And the convenience of having a skin condition and disease when you are a general in the military and a fighter is you have the, uh, you have the privilege of covering your condition with your armor. And he is covering, and he's mighty, and he's successful, and he's rich, and he's famous, and he's powerful, and he's victorious. But for some reason, there is parts of his life that none of his success, money, and accolades can change. And I believe it's very paramount of Orange County that people that have achieved high levels of success, but still have a butt area of their life. Mighty man of valor, but a leper. Leprosy was a condition in the skin that affected the way you looked. It would disfigure with time. It would eventually uh, distort. It would not only distort, it would actually cause you to become deformed. You would become so numb that you would bang it again. You would bang your elbow, your fingers on things. In the ancient world, you could have animals nibbling on your body and not feel it. And your flesh would begin to fall off of your body because of the numbness of your condition. And I believe that today, maybe you don't have physical leprosy, thank God. But I would argue to say there's many people in Orange County that are mighty men and women of valors, but they have a condition in their flesh. It is a flesh condition. It is a condition of your sinful nature that the more you feed your carnal appetite, the more numb you become to the things of God. It's exactly what happened with Naaman. And that's why the more drugs you do, the more empty you are. And the more you try to feed your carnal nature, you can't watch enough porn, you can't sleep with enough people, you can't do enough wickedness, you can't lie enough, steal enough, cheat enough. The flesh nature is like death in hell, according to Solomon, that says it's never satisfied and it's never full. The carnal nature has never said, I'm full. And that's why the more you feed it, the more numb and the more decrepit, disfigured, and deformed your life becomes. My deformity is affected the way that my children see me, my spouse sees me, my employees see me, my business colleagues see me. When you feed your flesh nature long enough, everyone will eventually tell that something is disfigured, out of, out of sorts, and you have gone so numb that everyone sees it except you. And I believe this is the condition of Orange County at times is that we have fed our carnal appetites to such high levels that if I can go to that club and that event and be in that crowd and get that amount of money and do that amount of drugs and go to that casino and have that suite and date that model and have that life, then if I feed it enough, I'll experience fulfillment. But ladies and gentlemen, if money, wealth, and good looks made you happy, Hollywood would be the happiest place on earth. But we know that it's not. People that have everything on the outside are killing themselves. Why? Because the flesh nature, when it is fed, leads to death. And so we find the story here very intriguing and interesting that Naaman has a condition in his flesh that he's lost feeling. And he's lost feeling for so long that he's become numb. It's discolored, it's disoriented, it's disfigured. It's, uh, it's uh, another D word. What was the other one? It was uh, distorted. It was... Uh, I was looking for the other one. We'll keep going. Is that all right? There's more D words out there, but we'll leave them alone. You know, I was thinking is this story is so, so powerful because name and imagine this, his wife, it affected his relationship with his wife, wasn't able to be intimate with his spouse, affected the dynamics of his home. 
He's got a servant girl who's unnamed, who makes one cameo, two, two lines, two sentences in the Bible. But I believe this girl does more in two sentences than most people in the Bible do in their entire pages that are written about them. This little girl, we know this about her. She's unnamed. She's little in significance. She was a prisoner from Israel that was actually abducted by the Syrian army that Naaman led. Very likely that this little girl actually probably heard her parents being executed in the room next door by a military that was led by Naaman. Naaman would bring this little girl back to her house. She would become his wife's uh, servant. And this little girl didn't just serve in a house with a bad attitude, with a victim mentality, with a woe is me, life is unfair, life is unjust. God smite these wicked, evil people. But notice this, that true Christianity has a way of loving the unlovable. This is pretty wild. And that's actually what changed the ancient world. They say that in the early kingdoms of, of society, the first three, four hundred years, that there was three major plagues that came and swept through the masses. And the only reason why Christianity expanded at the speed that it did is when every other world religion was excavating and leaving, uh, excuse me, exiting and, and leaving the countries because of the, the contaminated sickness, it was only the Christians that were going in, risking their lives when everybody was retreating. It has always been sacrificial love that has won the world. It has always been sacrificial love that has won a doubting, skeptical, wicked, dark world. What will win California? Sacrificial love. Sacrificial service. This unnamed girl, we know this, she didn't just serve. She must have been a good servant. Because she becomes so friendly to the mistress of her house that the mistress begins to talk to her on an intimate level. So much so that she felt comfortable saying, if your husband came to my church and met our pastors, he would get healed. She's so invigorated with faith, so trustworthy to her mistress, that the Bible says that not only was she taken serious, she must have been a trustworthy servant. There must have been something so, so genuine to this little girl. That her master goes, look, you're going to send me to your country that I'm an enemy in, and you could be plotting an attack for me, but you are so genuine, loving, and caring for me that I know that you would never do that to me. This girl, not only was she, she genuine, she was loving, she was caring. How about this? She was forgiving. It's so funny to me how Christians are so selective on who they forgive. Isn't that crazy? We forgive the people we want to forgive. Wicked past, 18 years, 25 years of living wild. Oh, you're forgiven. But man, if it's a pastor, if it's a leader, if it's someone that you view as like, oh, that's, that is the unpardonable sin. That is the unforgivable sin. I thought there was only one unforgivable sin. And last time I was against the Holy Spirit. But notice this so, so interesting. She forgave the people that gave the green light for executing her family. Imagine that level of forgiveness. And then to end up being trustworthy, she shined so bright that her boss took her serious. She shined, she shined so nobly that her boss actually said, not only do I believe that what you said is true, I'm going to take it to the king. And an unnamed servant girl was so credible, so bright, so integrous, so caring, and so loving, and so forgiving that her faith inspired a commander of the most powerful military in the world to have a conversation with a king. 
And that conversation led to a letter being written to another king. And that one story of faith affected two kingdoms. And Naaman rolls up with $750 million in crypto. And 10 Bugatti Veyrons. He rolls up, knocks on the door of Elisha's house. And in his mind, he goes, look, I brought enough money to buy God off to get what I want. But I want you to know today, it is not the checking account that impresses God. It is your faith account. Faith says, I don't care who you are, where you are, when you are. It is God who heals. God uses imperfect people to do perfect exploits. And he goes to the door and he knocks on the door. And in his head, he goes, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to knock on the door. The the man of God's going to come out. He's going to say a prayer. He's going to stand tall. He's going to wave his hand. And my skin is going to be healed. And he knocks on the door. And Elisha doesn't even show his face. He gets his servant boy, Gehazi. Gehazi says, he's busy. Go to the River Jordan. Dip seven times. Bye, Felicia. Slams the door. And we know that when he slams the door, this guy is furious. Because he thought it was his status, his power. He thought because he was successful in every other area that he deserved success in this area his way. But I want you to know that when you want God to move in your life, he's not working for you. You're working for him. God delivers his goods the way that he sees fit. And this is funny about him. He goes, look, I'll dip in a river, but I want it to be a river that I choose. Isn't that the truth of humanity? Fine, God, I'll believe, but under this condition, that condition, and this condition. God says, look, no, 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 no. I'm not working for you. You you want a miracle? I don't want you to go to the Farper. I don't want you to go to the Abana River. I want you to go to the Dirty Jordan. Because listen to me, it's not the quality of the water that's going to heal you. It's obedience to my voice. It's not the quality of mineral water coming out of the Jordan, because that river is dirty. It was obedience to his voice. And throughout history, people have thought, oh, it must be the mineral water. It must be the, man, it must be this environment. It must be the cleanliness of this. It must be the purity of that. It must be this, that, or the other. Listen to me. It is obedience to God. Why did God heal multiple blind people but never do it the same way? Because he never wanted our confidence to be in the way that it happened. He always wanted our faith to be in the one that performs the miracle the way that he wants to perform it. What do you know about this story? Well, I know that Naaman's family was changed. His household was transformed because of a servant girl that lived with sacrificial love and service. And because there was a person that heard a faith, faith in a little girl that inspired a belief to take God serious. Where are the Christians in Orange County that brag about how strong their God is? that inspires a doubting, cynical world to take God serious. I don't have time for a fake Christianity. Neither do I. I meet people all the time that go, I don't believe, I don't believe in a, 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 a God that lets bad things happen to good people and hurts bad people, good people, a God that does this and does that and is the other and is this and this and that and this and the other and a church that's boring here and boring there and this, that and the other. I'm like, neither do I. I don't know that Jesus. I know the Jesus that changes things. I know the Jesus that brings life to the dead parts of our lives. The Jesus that evicts the darkness, casts out the demons, lays hands on the sick, causes them to recover. I know the God that turns caterpillars into butterflies. That's the Jesus I worship. It's not his wrath that makes me want to change, it's his goodness. 
today I feel like God will transform the households of Orange County when we have a faith that inspires the looking world to take God serious. I got healed at Ocean's Church. See what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to tell my story of how I got healed, and I'm going to incite faith in someone else to want to take God serious too. I guarantee that young married couple that I met two weeks ago at our church that's been trying for a long time to get pregnant with no success, and we happen to coincidentally pray for people that couldn't have kids on Sunday, and they miraculously get pregnant on Tuesday. I believe that when they share their story, well, you can't get pregnant, come to my church. There is a God in Israel that opens up the, the barren womb. There is a God in, your, your son's, he's a cocaine addict. There is a God in Orange County that liberates the addict. Your family's in bondage. There is a God in Orange County that has the power to break the chains of addiction, break the back of depression to evict that demonic evil spirit that tries to kill our kids. There is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. Take him serious. Y'all be seated. I'll be done in a second. I believe that if we do the ridiculous, God will do the miraculous. Rochelle's uncle used to always say this. He said, when, when, the, when we do the ridiculous for God, he'll do the miraculous for us. When we do the ridiculous for God, he'll do the miraculous for us. When we do the ridiculous for God, he'll do the miraculous for us. When we do the ridiculous for God, he'll do the miraculous for us. It doesn't make sense sometimes. God, we're believing for our own building. God says, so money into other churches that need buildings. We'll do the ridiculous. You do the miraculous. God, take care of us. God says, no, so into the rescue mission. God, we have a vision project. God says, no, build some orphanages next month. When we do the ridiculous, God does the miraculous. God, I'm in debt. God says, start tithing. Doesn't make sense. You do the ridiculous, I do the miraculous. God, I'm so tired. God says, start serving in the church. But I'm tired. You do the ridiculous. I'll do the miraculous. My kids are going crazy. Bring them to church. They're too busy, God. Bring them to church. You do the ridiculous. God does the miraculous. I believe that if we do this, we'll see a transformation of our homes. Sacrificial love and service. Take God so serious that it inspires faith to everyone that hears you. To watch God do the ridiculous, or we do the ridiculous, and watch God do the miraculous. And I want you to write down a couple more. You guys ready? I want you to write this one down. Is I believe in a God that will heal what we reveal. He will heal what we reveal. Why did Elisha ask him, hey, you want to be healed? Look, he could have got up. He could have looked at him and said, hey, be healed. Could have crossed him up, be healed. Go your way. But notice what God always does. He doesn't want to just deal with the symptoms. He wants to deal with the root. You know what part of his healing was? The healing wasn't just of leprosy. It was a condition of hiding his weakness his whole life. And he knew that you go dip in the Jordan River, you know what's coming off? The armor. And it wasn't until that moment, I believe, that his soldiers realized, I have been following a victorious, powerful man that has been harboring and hiding a dilapidated weakness. And God healed him the moment he revealed his weakness to God. Some of you have never been healed because you've never taken off your armor and dipped. Well, I went to church one time, 
And I told a pastor one time, and I raised my hand one time, and my life didn't get all better. And I, I voted for Pedro, and I didn't see my wildest dreams come true. Why not? Because sometimes you have to dip more than one time. I don't want you to dip once. He could have said, look, go dip one time. He didn't say that. He said, I want you to dip uh, not two times, not three times, not four times, not five times. I don't want you to dip in six, six times. Nothing's going to happen the first six times. But if you'll stay the course, keep your armor off, keep your wounds exposed to God. You'll watch how he'll heal you every word that you hurt. If you'll keep exposing that that. that that cancer in your soul to the chemotherapy of God's love. God's love has a way of curing the human soul. As we keep our weaknesses exposed to Him, we try to hide, no, I love Jesus on Sunday, but I'm living crazy Friday night, Saturday, and Monday, and Tuesday, and I'm lying, stealing, cheating, I'm corrupt, and I'm, I'm, I'm setting my mind on the flesh, on earthly things, but I want God to get me fully healed. God doesn't heal people that don't take off their armor. I want you to take it off and I want you to dip seven times. So he takes off his armor. If it was modern day, social media would have blown up. Everyone's phones would have been out. The great General Naaman, hashtag a leper. World is buzzing. Can you believe someone that successful has a condition that bad? Can you believe someone that has that good of a life has that, that, level of brokenness and the world is marveling that someone so gifted and so powerful and so rich could have a struggle that's that dark and I believe we can see in these tents today and online today you would see there's some people that are high achievers that have married spouses and achieved great success and there is nothing wrong with that friends but there is areas that you've never been healed of because you have never let God heal the areas that you've been hiding God never heals wounds that we hide. Write that down. And we actually say, God, you know what? I was abused growing up. God, I did have this bad thing happen to me. God, I haven't told anybody the truth about this. God, I know that this has been going on in my life. When we get honest with God, God begins to heal us. You will know the what? Truth. And what will set you free? It is honesty with God that leads to freedom with men. It is honesty with God that leads to freedom with men. And many Christians live in bondage their entire life because they think they can pull the wool over on God's eyes. God knows what you did last summer. Come on, somebody. He knows what you did last night. God isn't, look, he's not fooled by you. But why do I stay the same? Because you will never heal in the areas that you don't reveal to God. You will never heal in the areas that you do not reveal to God. Some of you today need to tell your spouse, need to tell your, tell your pastor, tell your small group leader, tell someone in this church, I never said anybody this before, but I've been struggling in this area, had this vice, this addiction. I actually had this shortcoming. I've never told anyone. James 5 says, if you confess your sins one to another and pray for one another, that you'll be healed. We have forgiven Christians that have never been healed. Confess your sins to God and be forgiven. Confess your sins to men and be healed. Last thing. I love the fact that God does his best work. I want you to write this down. God doesn't need you to fully understand. He needs you to fully surrender. What we do because we're so sophisticated and educated, 
We got more degrees than a thermometer. Most of you majored in BS, but we'll keep going. Bachelor's of Science, Bachelor's of Science. Dirty Minds in Orange County, Lord wash them. I, I was thinking about this though. Many people, they have so much sophistication and education, but the issue is, is they only want to surrender to, the, to God in the areas they fully understand. All fully surrender if God fully explains. The problem is God doesn't fully explain until we fully surrender. And sometimes he never fully explains. And sometimes we trust before we understand. John 6, remember? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Not a good sermon, Jesus. The church is growing. Jesus gets up and says, all right, everybody, here's the message today. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. John 6, 6, 6, 6, 6 says, many, many people that day departed from Jesus because he gave a sermon that no one understood. He looks at Peter and says, you guys going to leave too? He's like, look, we don't have a plan B. You're playing A, B, C, and D for us. Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You know what Peter realized? That he didn't understand, eat my flesh, and drink my blood in that moment. But one day he would, when he broke the bread and he lifted the glass of wine, he said, this is my body, this is my blood. Eat and drink in remembrance of me. He had the trust before he understood. And most people in America never see God's power because they want a full explanation before they surrender to God their full belief. I'm, 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 I'm summonsing people today. This isn't jury duty, but I am summonsing you today to actually fully surrender to God even before you fully understand. Well, if I give my life to Jesus today, does that mean I have to like stop all this, do all this, and become this kind of person and that kind of person? I'm not asking you to figure it all out. I'm just saying today's a day you need to surrender. You've been running from God. You've lost feeling. You are numb. Your life is becoming more and more deformed. Your marriage is getting deformed. Your singleness is getting out of whack and out of sync. And today God's, God goes, if you want to be healed, you can be in charge or you can be healed, but you can't be both. And if you will surrender fully, you watch how some understanding comes later. I want you to quietly stand your feet today. I feel his presence. He's here. We want a God that actually works for us. But the truth is, we don't, we don't employ God. He employs us. Today, I just feel like the Lord says, we'll change Orange County. We'll change our families. Our households will be transformed. If we'll let God's love transform our households. How many want to have a sacrificial love for your family? Sacrificial love for your community? To not be selected with who deserves forgiveness and who doesn't? Last time I checked, none of us do. How many want to today say, Mark, I don't want to just forgive freely. I don't want to have a sacrificial love. I want to be caring and trustworthy to those around me. I want to care for anyone and everyone that's around me today. Like that unnamed girl. If she can love the unlovable, so can I. I want to love people that don't vote like me, look like me, dress like me, talk like me. I want to be God's mouth to the world. I want to be God's, God's legs to the lame. I want to be God's eyes to the blind. I want to be God's ears to the deaf. I want to be God's hands to those that have no feeling. God, today, would you give me a sacrificial love to serve my family? First church I pastor has my last name. 
then beyond my household, my neighborhood, my co-workers, God, my friends, my sphere of influence, my church family, God, would you give me a sacrificial love for others? If that's you today, come on, today's the day you forgive. Today's the day that you love. Today's the day you start serving. You're not going to change them, but you, you can let God change you. That's you today. I feel God on that. Come on, just lift your hands up and down. I want to be sacrificial in my love. Come on, hands up, hands down. You say, Mark, I feel His presence today. I want to live a life that's so full of faith that inspires the world around me to take God serious. You want great faith. Come on, not, not, not little faith. Come on, give me great faith, God. Pop your hand up. Yeah, up and down. Come on, Orange County. Let's change California. You want to see God do the ridiculous? You want to see God do the miraculous? Come on, how many today say, I'll do it even if I don't understand it? Come on, up. God, I'll do the ridiculous. Please do the miraculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fourthly, God wants to heal what we reveal. How many feel like there's some areas you want to invite God into? Come on, up. We're honest today. Up, God, come in. Heal as I reveal. And lastly, how many would say, God, before I fully understand, I want to fully surrender. Pop your hands. Come on, that's faith. Before I fully understand, I want to fully surrender. Up and down. Watch what's going to happen now. God's going to heal a bunch of people. God's going to restore a bunch of people. And after that, He's going to save a bunch of people. Hands down all over the tents. If you need a physical healing in your body, there's someone in here. You've been trying to get pregnant. Today is the day God heals your body. There's someone with a blood condition. It might even be like uh, cancer in the blood. I believe that God is healing blood today in Jesus' name. There's someone in here, you have an issue with your, uh, like your pancreas. You've got some sort of pancreatic cancer or preliminary condition. God is healing you today. I pray today, Lord, for psoriasis. I pray today, Lord, for, for molluscum. I pray, Lord, for skin, skin variations and diseases. I pray, Lord, for those that have leprosy physically or spiritually. I pray, Lord, for, for, uh, for, for uh, even paralysis in bodies. I pray for blind eyes to open up, degener degenerative body parts to come back online. I pray for sexually transmitted diseases to be healed and cured. I pray you would cure cancer. I pray that you would cure diabetes. I pray you would cure COVID. You can do anything. If you need a miracle in your body today, I feel faith in the room. I want you to lift your hands towards heaven. God, I believe you can heal me. Lift them real high, real high, real high. If someone's hands up next to you, we are a praying church. Go ahead and find somebody that has their hand up. Lay your hand on their shoulder. And as you do, I want you to muster every ounce of faith that you got. And I want you to say, in Jesus' name. Come on, Ocean's Church, say, in Jesus' name. Say it like you mean it, in Jesus' name. I ask you from the top of their head to the, to the bottom of their feet, we ask you that you would heal, remove pain, heal backs, heal vertebrae, muscles, spines, organs, kidneys, ligaments, hamstrings, depression, anxiety, broken hearts, broken bodies. We ask you to heal. We ask you to heal in Jesus Christ's name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Open the eyes of the blind. Open up deaf ears and bring feeling where there has been paralysis or spiritual leprosy. I pray for the man that's, a, I pray for the pathological liar. God says today the lies stop. 
you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I pray for the person that is addicted to drugs. Today's the day you find a new addiction. It's called the Spirit of God. It's called the Word of God. No longer sniffing line after line. You're going to start reading God's Word line after line. And it's going to change the fabric of your soul. I pray you would heal. Heal the kidney problem, the pancreas. Heal, Lord God, the thyroid. Heal the tumor, the cyst, the mass. Heal the ovary. I pray you would heal, Lord, the digestive tract. God, remove the parasite. I pray in Jesus' name. Do it. Doctors, medicine, therapy, counseling. Do what would take years or decades in a moment. In Jesus Christ's name. Bring it down. If he's here, Lord, I pray you do something so amazing and ridiculous in our bodies, so ridiculous in our bodies, that when we share it this week, it would make others take you serious. I pray our atheist brothers and sisters would start taking you serious when they hear what you did to my body. I pray my atheist doctor would start taking you serious when he hears what you did to my body. I pray my spouse would start to take you serious after they see the change that you made in my life. Do something so God and real that the world that's skeptical would take you serious. Jesus' name. Yeah. I just want you to sing, he reigns, he reigns, he reigns. We're singing one last song, we'll be out of here. Do two things, just sing this. Come on, I want you to put him above everything else in your life today. Come on, sing, our God reigns. Our God reigns. And our God reigns forever. Your kingdom reigns. God reigns here. Our God reigns forever. Your kingdom reigns. And our God reigns here. Our God reigns. We tell him forever. Five seconds of crazy praise. 
there's a Stuart and there's a Timothy. I'm not sure if that's both one person or two different, but you've been vexed in your mind. You've been attacked in nightmares. There's been a darkness that's been trying to uh, almost be assigned to your destiny and to your life. And today God says, I remove the vexation in your mind. I heal you in your mind. I bring, I bring peace to your house. As you open up your heart, watch how I remove the darkness. There's a Catherine in here. You have a condition of your blood. And God even right now is healing your blood. There's an issue. I don't know if it's with a circulatory issue in your body, but even now, Catherine, in Jesus Christ's name, God will heal you in ways that medicine procedures could not. I believe it's even like a circulatory issue. You've been on um, even like, uh, what's it called with kidneys when you have to get dialysis. God's healing of Catherine with dialysis issues today in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's here. I feel his love. He wants to transform every family in this tent. Jesus isn't for the crazy spiritual. He's for everyone that wants to call and know their Father in heaven. Eyes closed, heads bowed. I feel his presence. I believe everyone I just called out right now, today's the day that you surrender your heart to him. He gave you a a, a tangible, supernatural confirmation. And I believe he stands at the door and knocks. And if you'll open up, he'll come inside right now. I pray in Jesus Christ's name, you would come right now. If you're here and you're not living for him, if a servant girl could, if she can influence a king, a kingdom, kingdoms and a commander to have a whole group of people transformed. I stand before God today and I say, if you will open up the door to Jesus, you watch how he transforms your life. All over these tents and online today, if you're online, write heart. All over these tents, I want you to raise your hand. Stuart, Timothy, Catherine, there's many others. Someone on dialysis, I didn't name. I pray that even now, you watch as God heals your body and he saves your soul in the same day. All over the tents, we're out of time. I went long, but God's here. Let's finish like this. Today, I invite God into my home. I want God to transform my heart, my household, and my life. I want to invite Jesus to be the God, the Lord of my life. All over these tents, if you want to rededicate your life, or for the first time, put your faith in Him. Every eye closed. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want you to raise your hand. I'm going to count the hands, and then we're all going to pray. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want you to raise your hands right where you are. Go ahead and start raising hands right now. I need to give my life to Jesus. One. I already called you out. There's some hands going up. I'm going to give you three seconds. Two. More hands going up. Yep, yep, yep. Right now, all over. I need you to raise your hand right now. Three. That's me. I see it. Keep it up. Keep it up. One, two, three. Real high. Four, five. Real high. Real high. Real high. Real high. Six. Real high. Real, real, real high. Seven. Real high. Real high, real high. Anybody else? Real high. Eight. Anybody else? I see eight hands. Nine hands. Nine hands in the back. I see you. Nine hands. Online, I want you to write heart right now. H-E-A-R-T. I don't know if Catherine's in the tents or she's online. But I pray right now, Lord, that you would heal physical bodies. And today will be the day that we invite Jesus to be the Lord, Savior, and the God of our lives. Oceans, pray this prayer as we close. Say, Jesus. I ask you today to meet me here. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart? Would you heal me? Would you fill me with your spirit? Direct my steps? I surrender all of me to you. Guide me from this day forward. 
in the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, if you love the day, come on, give him a 10 second hand clap. Today's so good. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.